Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone. This is Zach Van Norman coming to you live with the Once Upon a Fan podcast. And, of course, I am joined by my co-host, Amy Hood. Amy, how are you, my darling? Fabulous, darling. How are you? I'm quite excellent, quite excellent. Um, it's, been a, it's been a nice week. We've had some amazing weather here in Seattle recently. So it's been, been good times, good times indeed. Yes. Very excited about being able to discuss these two episodes tonight because they are two of my favorites. And I think that they have a, they obviously had a huge impact on the story overall, especially A Land Without Magic. So I'm very excited to get to talk about it today. Definitely. Loved rewatching these two. Yeah. And also just want to remind everybody that the chat room is live and open right now. Um, as in the past, I'm going to issue the warning that it may take you a couple of minutes before you're able to log in. We have had that problem in the past, but we do have the chat room open for you guys right now. So feel free to log in there and you know, start discussing the show with us because we'd love to have you. And we're just going to go ahead and get right into the, you know, our normal setup with our news roundup. And the first bit of news is that we've got some, some casting, which I'm, I'm quite excited about. Um, Rose McGowan will be returning to Once Upon a Time this season in the 18th episode as young Cora, and I am thrilled, to put it short. Amy, how do you feel, darling? I'm excited about it. I thought Rose did an awesome job as young Cora, and I'm excited anytime we get more flashbacks, because I love the flashback fairy tale stuff. So her being brought back onto the show tells me that we're getting more backstory, which I love. So I'm pretty excited about seeing Rose McGowan coming back. And I know she's excited about it, too, because as soon as the writers announced it, she was right on Twitter, like, tweeting stirs and things and talking about being excited to be back. So, yeah, I think it's going to be something great for the last half of the season. Yeah, I'm stoked. I thought that she did a really good job. Um, I thought she brought a really different level uh, to Cora's character, more than what Barbara Hershey did. I think that she really, you know, kind of helped set the tone for how she was going to end up. And I love Rose McGowan as an actress. Actually, I loved her since she was in Scream and when she was on Charmed. So I'm quite excited that uh, that she's going to be back. And they had kind of hinted before that we were going to see more of, you know, young Cora last season. Uh, right about the time of the Miller's daughter. So I'm really happy that that is panning out to be the case. Very stoked about that. And, um, yeah, so then I want to keep it moving right along since we have so much to talk about tonight. And let me see, the other other news item that's been major in, in, you know, recently this week of what's coming on later this season. Amy, do you want to fill us in on that? Well, first, I also, before we forget to mention it, want to say happy birthday to Colin O'Donohue. Today is Oh, yeah, birthday. yeah. Happy birthday to <laughs> yes. Colin. Yes, yes. Let's not forget. So happy birthday, Colin. We didn't forget. Wanted to get that in there. He, for our listeners who aren't familiar with his name, um, he plays our, our fabulous Captain Hook, Killian Jones. So we want to say happy birthday to him. Um, the other little news blip is just that Shorty Awards are going on, so if you haven't had a chance to throw out a tweet, we've talked about it before, so you don't need to get into it in depth. Just make sure you fire off a tweet for once upon a fan. And the other big news that came out this week is that the creators announced that before the end of Season 3, a major character is going to be killed off and that they are going to stay dead. And we know for a fact that it's not Rumpelstiltskin. So Rumpel fans can, and theories 
you know, can be calm because Eddie actually said that, <laughs> that it's a major character, will be killed off and will stay dead, and it's not Rumpel. So I'm very interested. Those of you in the chat room, we definitely want to hear what you guys think, and I know me and Zach have some thoughts on that too. So you were uh, mentioning to me earlier, Zach, what do you think about that announcement? Um, I think um, I have a couple of opinions about this. I just, there's just a couple of points I suppose I want to make. For, uh, first of all, I think that it's for the sake of the story and to really bring some weight and some stakes to the situation and everything that's been going on, I think they need to kill someone. It makes sense from a storytelling standpoint. I think that the, that the show needs to have something like that because remember when Graham died and how really honestly devastating that kind of was when he was like right. Gone? We have not we have not experienced anything since you know like that. Um, in season two, there was a moment where you know we kind of thought Archie had been killed, and then we found out that he wasn't. And then this right. year, you know, we kind of thought that you know Blue Fairy had been killed, Mother Superior. Then no, actually she wasn't. So I I do think that it's important that they let somebody go because you know I the show needs to be some, you know serious about it. There needs to be some consequences in this uh, in this mm-hmm. conflict and. I, I just think it's a necessary part of the storytelling. Having said that, um, in the article um, where this was announced, there was a poll where you could basically see, you know, they identified which eight characters there were. I think it was Entertainment Weekly. And then you can tell, you know, which one you think it's going to be. And a lot of people think it's going to be Neil. And uh, my own opinion is that uh, I don't know if it's going to be Neil or not, but I know who I think it should be. Um, Amy, do you want to go over how you think about what you think about this whole thing first, or should we just delve on into who we think it should be or will be? Because I, know, I, well, I want to know what you think about the whole death, too. First, I'm with a lot of the fans, and I'm seeing in the Facebook, uh, or not in the Facebook, sorry, in the chat room for the podcast that a lot of people are saying, no, we don't want anyone to die. I also feel that way. I hate to see a character die because, obviously, we adore the show and we're super attached. But at the same time, I agree with you as far as having an emotional investment and an emotional impact. And just like you said, when Graham died, I thought right up until, you know, the end of the season, when it was clear that he wasn't coming back, I thought for sure he was not dead and he was coming back. And then when I realized he was, I was like, oh, my God. And it was just so much more huge. So now we know we're going to have that impact. But I I don't want anybody to die. But one thing I do want to say, too, um, it was mentioned, we talked about it last week on the podcast, Megan Ori, and we also have some things to talk about with her after we talk about this, but she mentioned in an interview that Red would be coming back to Once Upon a Time. So I'm looking shiftily at Adam and Eddie as I say this. Bringing Red back in and then killing her off is not a major death. So I'm no. looking at you guys. No. <laughs> no. Know. So don't I'm, – I'm looking at them when I say this because that was my first thought because that announcement came and then, like, literally the next day it was like, hey, we're going to kill off a major character. I was like, okay, don't toy with our hearts now. Don't bring Red in and then kill her off, and that was the big twist. So that, yeah. to me no. that does not count. <laughs> So I will no, say it doesn't. that. No, it doesn't <laughs> count at all because she hasn't – Red hasn't been on the season at all. And right. Just, just no, just no. Like, 
I feel like that would be a really big cop out. And I, I don't agree with that at all. I, I don't think they're going to do that. Um, but I don't I think totally so understand, either. I totally understand, like, the, the, the looking shiftily because um, I yeah. kind of give you the same look. Like, just, I just don't that do too. it. I'm like, I'm looking at you, Eddie. <laughs> don't, don't bring Megan back and kill her off. And then that was the big major death. So having said that, I am looking forward to seeing huge twists and things that really rip my heart out and – at the same time, I'm I know I'm going to be devastated because I I honestly don't have a character that I'm like oh yes please kill this person off. The last time I felt like that was when we had Cora, adult Cora. But then of course at the last minute, you know when she got her heart back, I was rooting for her again. So really, I wasn't uh, feeling that way. So yeah, I don't have anybody right now that I'm I'm thinking oh you know kill this this character off and it won't matter. I don't I don't see a character whose death won't not you know matter to me. I I can see being affected by any of these main characters dying off. Yeah, I um it, it, just no. That's all I'm going to say. Just no. Red needs to live. Um I don't know what kind of hashtag I can come up with, but surely somebody can. Like, it just, it can't, it doesn't need to happen. Red is, yeah, just, no. Nope. Okay. So, <laughs> that's all I have to say because I don't want to get into it too much because that's, that's all I have to say. So, yeah. Um, uh, let me see. What else do we have in the news? We do have some more items. One more thing at least. I will say no, that I don't, I don't honestly, I honestly don't think it's going to be Regina or Emma. I think that, no. Yeah, that's too much of a staple. I I feel very confident that it's not going to be one of those two. So I, I and I've seen a lot of a discussion. Ah, Peter's in the chat room singing "Staying Alive." I know they better all be singing "Staying Alive." You never know. I mean, these guys did write "Lost" after all, but I uh, mm. I, I don't see the two of them. But um, before we get out of news, though, I did just want to mention the whole thing that happened, actually, to Megan. So, yeah. I think we definitely should kind of pop in with that. Um, I... I feel so many things. Um, they did, I mean, because just, just no. It, I, it needs to be... Uh, okay, so here's who it should be. Uh, really quickly, I'm going to share my opinion on who I think it should be. Okay. <laughs> Okay. And please, I'm, I'm going to issue this warning now. It's people in the chat room and everybody else. You're probably not going to like what I'm about to say. I'm just going to, I'm just going to warn you all right now. I think it needs to be Hook. The man needs to go. I know I'm probably committing once or blasphemy right now, but I don't care. The man needs to go. <laughs> he is the most – he is one of the most boring characters on the show to me. Like, he, his story has, like, nowhere to go. Like, in my opinion right now, the only thing that he's doing is he's serving as a distraction for um, Emma from Neil. That's, that's it. Like, as soon as his whole thing of revenge with Rumpel was done, I was kind of, like, bored with him. And I have been ever since. Like, he's just not that interesting to me. Um, he, he's, I mean, I just, I just think he needs to go. Um, I don't see where his character could possibly fit into things anymore. Um, mm. I don't know where he thinks to go in the future. Like, cause uh, let's see this play out, right? Let's say that Hook, you know, goes to Emma and he gets her to believe or remember, and you know, whatever else happens. What happens with him then? 
Like, after he fulfills that purpose, what is there left for him to do? There's not really anything, in my opinion. I mean, I'm not okay. writing the show. I don't, you know, but I just, I, he's just boring. He's just, the Hook just bores me. No offense to, you know, Colin O'Donohue because he does a fabulous job as Hook. It's just that the character's storyline right now is kind of boring. I just, I want him to be, I want him to be more villainous. You know what I mean? Like, I want him to be a little bit more, I like the darker version of Hook. I don't like the redeemed, mm-hmm. you know, version of Hook. I like him when he was evil and just kind of a jerk. Like, in The Crocodile, I, I, that's the Hook that I want to see again. So, you know, if they brought him back to that, then I'd probably be into it more. But otherwise, yeah, like Lori Hancock is saying in the chat room, there is no more conflict for Hook. There's just mm-hmm. not. So, yeah, that's, that's my opinion of it. <laughs> so, yeah, please, you know, don't, 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 don't kill me with, you know, hate or anything, but <laughs> it's just my opinion because that's just what I think. So, Poor Zach, Amy, what you're do you gonna think get a million that? tweets now. <laughs> you'll get a million yeah. tweets. In the end, I, you know, I am Swanfire. I feel like that's her, her, you know, happy ending is with him, and he's, you know, they have their whole little family, Neil, Emma, and Henry. But I do, I will say that that little moment when Emma and Henry were about to leave in the mid-season finale. When Hook told mm-hmm. her he there wouldn't be a day that went by that he didn't think about her, and she was like, "Good." I loved the chemistry right there, and I was like, "Ooh, juicy!" And plus, he's just so attractive. I would be really sad if Hook and his guy liner were were gone from my TV screen. <laughs> <laughs> I do love. Him. I mean, I, I mean, I love Colin O'Donohue. I do. I think that he does a really good performance. I just okay. think that right now. It, his character just bores me, and it, it's purely and simply to do with his character. I ju- it just right. he just drives me insane. Because um, honestly, um, speaking of Neverland, because Angie Konisberg is mentioning in the chat room that Neverland was really fun. Um, the thing that really disappointed me about the Neverland storyline is that we only got one flashback scene between Hook and Peter Pan, and there was no sword play involved. There was no ship involved. Um, there was nothing like the classic story, and that did kind of let me down a little bit because I wanted mm-hmm. to see some of that. I wanted to see, you know, Pan on Hook's ship, on the Jolly Roger, and the two of them having a conversation. Um, right. So that was, you know, I, I, I'm just, you know, I'm kind of sad about that. And it's just, yeah, he's just, he's just boring. So anyways, I don't want to keep harping on this because we have a lot of stuff to talk about in the next two hours, and I want to make sure that we get to it all because it was pretty significant, these episodes. So this week, of course, we were watching for our great hiatus rewatch. We did the two, what me and Amy considered to be the two-part season finale of season one, which was An Apple Red as Blood and then A Land Without Magic. And, you know, when I was going into this season, and, I, you know, we've been doing this whole season rewatch, as I was going into this episode, I mean to say, um, I picked up on a lot more stuff than I had not picked up on before. And I really... Um, I really love them, actually. I think they were really well done from beginning to end. So, yeah, let's go ahead and get started on this. So first, we have, you know, the app, an apple that starts with Regina's dream. And, you know, it begins with, you know, she's having dinner with Henry, and, of course, there's apples on the table and the centerpiece. Great touch. Love it. And then, you know, like Emma and Snow and Charming and Granny and, you know, Archie and Leroy, they're all there to get Regina. And I love the dream sequence. I love it because I remember seeing back then 
set pictures of the tree in the middle of the street. I remember seeing that picture hey. and thinking to myself, oh, my gosh, like the curse is, is really weakening because now there are trees just starting to grow in the middle of Storybrooke. Like it's turning into the Enchanted Forest, oh, my gosh. And then it ended up being a dream. But I, I love the dream sequence. Um, the black goo and the apple, like after they've strung Regina up in the tree and, you know, Emma pulls down the apple and it's black because she's squeezing and all the black goo comes out. Oh, it's so gross. Like, yeah. <laughs> Like that, you know, like that, that whole thing was just great. And then the thing that I love too, is that as they're tying Regina up to the tree, I love Granny's line when she's like, Tyler, she needs to feel our pain because the way that Beverly delivered that line, <laughs> just like, it was so just like, yeah, I get her. Like, I just loved it. I, that, I, that actually stood out to me this time when I was watching it. Yeah, even the characters, that's what kind of tipped me off that we were watching a dream sequence that was because even the characters who are normally very meek and quiet and mild were like, yeah, fire the tree, take every day away from her, you know, we're going to get you. They were, like, all really adamant, and Regina was, like, terrified. Yeah, I love it. It was great. Because, um, yeah, oh and then, and then, it's Emma with the sword. We've got Emma holding the sword for the first time, and I was like, yeah, do it. And then, you know, she wakes up, and she goes, and Regina wakes up, and she goes, and she checks on Henry. And I'll just say this, too, for the Regina. I just want to say this. Regina loves herself some dark gray kind of purpley silk because mm-hmm. she's got it on, the, on her pajamas, and she wears it. Like, remember in, early in season one when Emma, like, Henry gave Emma one of Regina's shirts to borrow in uh, episode four, actually? Yeah, um, it's that dark gold. gray. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's that dark gray kind of silky color. Like, Regina liked herself some silk. Like, I'm just saying. It's just something that stood out to me. <laughs> so, you know, it's whatever. Um, so, yeah, and then after that, you know, it goes to Emma and Henry, you know, kind of, you know, leaving Storybrooke. And the re- and I loved watching it because I was like, oh, look, like, that's exactly how the mid-season finale ended. Is was, um, you know, pretty much was the two of them in the car leaving Storybrooke, and then, you know, they're trying to leave Storybrooke, and Henry stops them. Like, I just, I love that. It's kind of, you know, again, it plays to what's happening now. So I really like that. Definitely. Yeah, this was, I felt like this was a really great opening scene. I mean, it was one of those things where you know everything is about to hit the fan if even Regina is now having nightmares that, you know, this is the end of it. So, yeah, I thought this was definitely, and I love this episode anyway, because there were so many classic things that we saw from original story of like Snow White and the Evil Queen. So I loved it. I love, I love this whole episode. Yeah. It's just, it's really well done. Really, really well done. And just, yeah, from beginning to end, I really just, I thought it would just be awesome. Um, let me see. Um, I have another note here about something that... No, I don't. So then after that, it's when Regina stops Charming's execution. Um, and I, what I love... Yeah, that's exactly... <laughs> you would go ahead, take it on this one, because that that's exactly what I was going to say. one of my... Yeah, I just have to mention that... I, in fact, I think I tweeted that pic earlier, and Peter Pizza saw it and mentioned he loves that outfit, too. That is one of my favorite Evil Queen outfits, and it's not even a dress. It's leather pants and this amazing red and sparkly coat. I was like, ah, oh. I, I would totally, if I had any skill at all, any, you know, sewing skill, 
I would <laughs> cosplay the hell out of that outfit. I'd wear it all day in my house. I'd answer the door, check the mail, you know. I'd just wearing that outfit. Just going to the grocery store. Just Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, you know what, it would be store. perfect. Yeah, it would be perfect if you did wear that because then you could be like, sorry to drop in on you, but I was looking for some apples. Be perfect. <laughs> Just go right through the produce section. I'm telling you. It's hilarious. All right, so then, um, and also the blade to water when Regina turns the blade into water for the guillotine. Uh, Love it. Yeah. Love it. Just thought it was just such a simple thing, but, yeah, I'm into it. Oh, and then, yeah, the other thing with the time around the chat room, too, is um, Emma and Henry in the car. Dude, that was the other note that I had is when Henry is like, they need you. Your family needs you. That sounds exactly like what Hook is saying to Emma when he's, you know, at her apartment and going home. Like, your family is in danger and they need you. Like, right. So, again, just, you know, like the, the, all of the parallels here that we have going on. It's just fantastic. Love it. Um, so then also, right, after that, when it goes back to Storybrooke, it's when Regina is in the garden and she sees that, you know, the the apples on her tree are basically rotting. And so then, you know, she uh, she goes over to Gold Shop, and she's like, you know, my tree is dying. Why? And he goes, perhaps it's your fertilizer. Oh, smart ass. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like, <laughs> I just, I think that's just, I think that's hilarious. Um, I think that that's a great line. And, uh, <laughs> it, it, you know, it goes to their chemistry of their relationship of what they have, and I, I think that it was pretty funny. Um, and let me see. I don't. Oh, and you know, right behind his head, for those of you who are Disney fans, in that scene right behind his head, hanging on the wall, there's this giant lock, and it's one of the locks from the Pirates of the Caribbean rides at Disney and Disneyland. So that's one of the hidden Mickey things my eyeballs definitely jumped to as I was watching this episode. So. And I love that you mentioned that, too, because that actually plays into something that I'm going to bring up later on because of something that Regina says later on in the episode that's totally from Pirates of the Caribbean. So um, I'm glad that you mentioned that. I also just want to say, too, that that scene where Regina is in Gold's shop and she's asking him, you know, what to do, that is, she says, I think it's a sign that the curse is weakening because of Emma. That is the first time she ever says her name. That's the first time that Regina ever said Emma's first name. She always called her Miss Swan or that woman or, you know, something else. But she never, ever has referred to Emma by her first name before. And I think that that's, you know, I think that that's really um, kind of significant that that was, you know, that that's finally the time. It's almost like, you know, the gloves are coming off. Like, that was how I kind of interpreted it a little bit, you know. Um, Mm. So, yeah, there I have that note there. Um, and then, oh, later on, too, she says that she'll have that boy over my dead body. Um, and then, you know, Gold says, you know, something about keeping her around because of one thing or another. And Regina says, I think I'd rather just get rid of her. And then, you know, like, now, flash forward to going home, when Regina said, when you first got to town, all I wanted to do was get, you know, you to get the hell out of here so I could be with my son. And now I just want him to be happy. Like, she like she is basically, you know, she says she'll have him over my dead body. I think I'd rather just get rid of Emma. And then she she's, gives Emma Henry, basically. And she's like, you have to take him. You know, calling her him our son, um, all those things, totally plays against the finale, you know, what's happening in season one. So I just love how far all, you know, the diff, like the relationship has come since then. Like, it's really changed in major ways since season one. 
And mm-hmm. yeah, this was just a prime example that I could relate directly to season three, which is one of the reasons why, you know, I really like this episode. So yeah. Amy, what do you think about all that? I think so too. I think Regina, obviously from season one, especially doing this rewatch, several of the characters have had like a really big shift between where they were and where they are now. And I don't, I mean, I feel like it's really made them stronger characters, you know, and I love how even in season three, we're kind of hearkening back and just touching on little subtleties and little things from season one or season two. Like, I love it when they do a, you know, go back to something that maybe you hadn't thought about and then it pops up again later on. I love that whole, the way that they can touch back to things. Uh-huh. So, yeah, I I love that, you know, Regina went from kind of not really one extreme to the other because she's still really strong. And But we've seen so many different facets of her between, and Lana just plays her amazingly, just getting from where she was in episode one all the way to where we are now at the midpoint of season three. Um, I just... It's, there's been a lot of progression, a lot of growth for everybody, and it's just good all around. So I'm totally digging it. Um, so then, you know, of course, that, the other thing going on in this episode, too, with the flashback is that, you know, Snow White and the dwarves are trying to storm the castle, and they've got, you know, Red and Granny with them. And, you know, speaking of Red, there was something that happened with Megan Ori on Twitter that I do want to, you know, talk about really quick because we didn't talk about it very much in the newscast, and then we'll go back to the episode rewatch. Um, Megan Ori did quit Twitter recently. She stopped her account because there was some just really stupid ridiculousness happening. Uh, Amy, do you want to enlighten the audience with more on that? Because I know that you were paying attention to uh, to that whole situation as it was happening. Right. Well, the first, Megan Ori plays Red. And, you know, she's also on another show now called Intelligence. And we recently learned that she, her character is going to come back once upon a time as well. But this week, Megan got some really inappropriate, hateful, mean tweets from a couple of people, and I'm not even going to repeat what they were because some of it's, like, vulgar and some of it's just purely hateful, not instigated by anything at all other than the pure desire to either get noticed or be mean, and whoever did that doesn't even deserve recognition, so... I did not know until right before the podcast, um, Lori Hancock, who's one of our listeners, uh, let me know that two of the people that were tweeting were banned from Twitter after all this happened. This is not the first time that I've seen things like this happen. I've seen um, Jennifer Morrison, Adam, and Eddie, even though he doesn't actually use his Twitter, I have seen the most disgusting, vulgar, hateful tweets aimed at them, and not over any subject. I'm not talking about people who are arguing a point or people who are, you know, trying to argue for Swan Queen or for a different ship or for this or for that. Just outright, totally uncalled for, has nothing to do with anything. Really, really nasty, hateful tweets. And I think a lot of times people feel like the Internet is faceless and you can say whatever you want, you can do whatever you want, and you're, you don't have to take any responsibility for that. But I know Zach feels the same way I do. Bullying is bullying. I mean, even if you're just being a troll and going in there, yeah, these people are famous, and they do have a lot of people that love them. But 
they also have feelings and they're people at the end of the day like everybody else. I mean, anybody who you go in and say horrible things about, it's going to hurt them. And Megan literally quit Twitter this week because she was so upset by the things that were said to her. In fact, I think her husband even quit Twitter today too, as a matter of fact, because he couldn't, um, his thing is no longer showing up. But I did go in on my Twitter, which is Amelia403, A-M-Y-L-I-A-403, and I posted the address for her agent. So if anybody wants to just send her a quick, you know, I tagged it Operation Kindness. If anybody wants to send her a quick note and just let her know that, you know, the majority of the fan base is not like that, and we do support her, and, you know, obviously a lot of us love Megan and love Red, and I just, it, it was, I found it to be very, very sad that a, a loud minority who are just looking to stir something up and to get recognized are often heard above the majority who are actually kind, considerate, great people. Because while I have seen some yucky pieces here and there in the fandom. I've also met some of the most amazing people I've ever had in my entire life through this fandom, too. So, And I feel like yeah. our Once Upon a Family is mostly that. It's mostly the positive. And when I see people, you know, I, I don't mean to be, like, snotty and rude, but if somebody's constantly getting on my Twitter and if I see nothing but negative and hate, then I just drop them because I feel like so much positivity has come from the fandom and can continue to come from the fandom. So, you know, we just don't, we don't need all that. There's no need for it, you know? Yeah, um, I'm going to be rude for a second about it. Um, you don't have to worry about me dropping any language bombs, anybody, but here's what I have to say. Um, bullying, bullying is never okay. Um, I don't care if it's on social media, if it's in person. Like, it doesn't matter. Bullying is not okay in any shape, mm-hmm. way, or form. The people who are acting like that on Twitter are, frankly, just um, jackass trolls who are looking for some attention, um, trying to get themselves a little bit of notice, and, uh, you know, just want to be cruel human beings. Frankly, I don't have time for that kind of stupidity or um, just kind of asinine behavior. Um, the people that I have met through Once Upon a Time, the fandom, the community, our experience that we had in November um, at the Enchanticon convention in Orlando. Um, I, I can only say that like, the real monster community, people who actually do care about the show and not about just getting some attention, are not like that. Um, anybody who is really that much of a fan of this show would not behave in such a way, which is how I know that it was just some stupid jackass troll looking for attention. So... Um, on that note, I am going to say really quick, and you know, plug your ears for this maybe up. Screw anybody who has that kind of behavior and wants to go around acting like that. Like, screw you. Go get a like. Go do something with yourself because clearly you don't have enough to do. Go find a hobby. Like, get a life. You stupid loser. That's all I have to say. So um, before I get <laughs> seriously, I don't have time for that crap. So because that's just it's just not right. People don't deserve to be treated that way. I don't care who the hell you are. So you know, screw anybody who doesn't behave the way they should. So I love you, Oncers, because I know that you guys would never <laughs> act, <laughs> act like that. Because yeah. So, anyways, now that we've touched on that, back to the episode discussion. So um, of course, when you know they're trying to, you know, they're Snow and the Dwarves and everybody. 
or, you know, trying to, you know, siege the castle and all those lovely things. And then we go back to Storybrooke, and Regina puts the white rabbit card on Paige's bike, which I love. Yes. Um, now, that we, now that we've actually seen the white rabbit, know who he is. You know, we've met his family. So, yeah, I, I was pretty happy about that. Um, so, yeah, that, that was just, that was cute. And then after that is a scene which I absolutely adore. It's when Emma comes back in after she's dropped, you know, Henry off after they were going to leave. And Mary Margaret, it's the scene where she's in the kitchen and she's getting mad at Emma for leaving. I love that scene because it was Total totally mom a mom moment. <laughs> yes. And that, oh, my God. That is, that is word for word my note. Um, it is a total mom moment. Like, she, it's mom giving her daughter the riot act. And you could totally tell that Emma feels like her mother is giving her the riot act. Like, it, yeah. that is exactly how it plays. Like, and in that moment, that's when I was really like, Emma has to believe. She has to. Like, there's, there's no way that she could not believe this anymore because she's, she has to know that that's her mother. She just has to. Like, she just has to. And, yeah, Jennifer Goodwin nailed it. Um, totally in agreement with Lori Hancock oh. in this chat room. She nailed that scene a thousand percent. She's like, you're his mother. You figure it out. I was like, ooh, mom, get on her. Yeah, <laughs> so right? Good. Like, it's just like, just ridiculous. Ridic- just ridiculous how, like, how awesome that was. And that scene is just so great. Um, I, I, I adore it. I just adore it. Um, Exactly what Lori said. So perfect, just how a mom would say it. That is exactly right. So, you know, that gives Jennifer Goodwin some practice for later on down the road when she's dealing with her own child. Oh, who knows? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, yeah. But one of the lines that I love of that scene, too, is when she says, you're reverting, Emma, back to the person you were before you got here, and I thought you had changed. Like, mm. I love that. Because it's, it's basically a hint. It's like a foreshadow at what's about to happen. Like, you're reverting to the person you were before you got here. Like, because in the very next episode, the curse was going to break, and they were all going to revert to who they were before they got to Storybrooke. So it was like total like, oh, uh-huh, I'm with you on that. Okay. And then the other thing that I want to say, too, about that scene is that everybody, if you've been listening to the podcast the last couple of weeks, I have been discussing my theory on um, color and the use of it on the show and you know how red means power and a bunch of other things. And what I want to note about this scene is that Emma has on a red sweater, but she has a brown jacket on over it. And it's basically like she's, she's trying to resist her destiny and hide her true colors. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it's like she's mm-hmm. trying to, to you know, deflect who she really is by not just going for it. And you know what I mean? Like, and not just assuming her role and believing in herself and believing that that's actually the case. Like, so I, and the, the important thing that I want to note about that, too, is that Emma was wearing that exact same outfit when she was talking to August in the previous episode, and she mm. wasn't, she just she refused didn't to, want believe. to believe. She right. didn't want to believe, even though it was so clear that she did. So, you know, I mean, that she was so close that she just had to accept it, that it was pretty much all but given that she would accept it. So, so yeah, I just love that moment really quick. I wanted to point that out because it does come into play later on in the episode. So, um, because it changes. So then um, in the flashback, um, when Red shows up, Grumpy says to Red, Red, you've got someone on your chin. Yeah. I just about fall out of my chair every time I hear that line. Every single time. Because yeah. it's not you've got something. It's you've got someone. Because she's clearly just eating somebody as a wolf. Like, it's just <laughs> hilarious. And at least this time it wasn't her boyfriend. So Yeah, you know what I mean? 
Yeah, good uh, thing for good for Red, but for not eating her boyfriend. Yeah. So I just love that. And then you know they go and they attack the castle and everything else, and I just think it's great. But then after that though, right, we get the scene where it's Regina and Charming in the cell, and Regina comes in wearing that absolutely amazing fabulous dress that Jackie mm-hmm. Butthead wore at the Enchanticon convention that she had when she was cosplaying as Regina. And it's yeah, amazing. It's that gown. dress is amazing. And her hair, yeah, the purple gown, and she's rocking the hair and just all of it. I mean, just all of it. Uh, the, everything with Regina in that scene, I was just like, yes, work it, honey. Like, go ahead. Because the other little thing, too, <laughs> if you listen, when she's, like, when she's like eyeing Charming up and down, right, when she's looking at him and she says, ooh, I can see the allure, like she says it with a little bit of a French accent. And I just mm-hmm. love that, she, that Lana threw that little touch in there. Like, it stands out to me every time because I'm just like, oh, yeah, getting a little fancy with it. Go ahead, Lana, work it. Like, yeah, because she's great. just, like, cat-toying with him. Like, she's, you know, right then, she, the evil queen is, like, you know, the cat who caught the mouse because she's about to get exactly what she wants. She's got farming, and she's about to have the, you know, the end or her revenge on Snow White. So, yeah, she's very playful in that scene. Yeah, I love it. Um, it's just I, just, I just love it. And then when she says, I have a far, you know, worse fate planned for her, and she walks out of the cell, and it's just like an apple, like. Yes. And it, and it really does play to True North, because that's where the apple originally came from. That's what Hansel and Gretel were getting out of the blind witch's house. And the thing that I loved about that episode, and we have discussed it on previous podcasts, you and I, Amy, but the thing I love about True North is that of all the things in that house made of sugar, the deadliest thing of all was the healthiest snack, the apple. I just love how they did that. Five million pounds of sugar and diabetes, and the thing that will kill you is an apple. So I, I yeah, like of all those things, yes, like, like please eat, you know, the cupcakes and everything because they're not going to kill you. They're just going to sick the witch on you. But if you take a bite of the apple, well, then you're done. Good night, sir. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's just like I just love how they did that. I love it every time. Um, and then after that, when we go back to Storybrooke, it's Regina and Jefferson in Regina's office. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple of things that I want to point out about this scene, okay, because they're important. First of all, at the beginning of their conversation, when Jefferson says that he's, you know, like Regina basically says, you're going to kill me, I know you won't, or whatever, and, and he's like, how do you know? And she says, because you don't have it in you. Like, that she could see it, and she would know, because she does have it in her, and you know what I mean? Like, she would just know. So that, right. just, that line comes into play later on. I'm, I just want to point that out. Um, that, that's, a, that's a point later on. And then also the other thing, too, that Jefferson says at one point, is he says to Regina... I want you to write us a new story. I want a fresh start. Now, isn't that so interesting that that was his choice of words, considering the fact that in Going Home, the winter finale of season three, that it was that twice that came up when the Blue Fairy told Snow that eventually their story would reveal itself to Emma in time through a manner which she did not know. And then the other thing of it was at the end of the episode, Regina says that they'll just go back to being stories again. So isn't it so interesting how even then in season one there was like an element of the story. I just that that really stood out to me when I was watching it this time because we've heard it so much recently in, in going home. So I just wanted to point that out as well because I caught that. Um, I think it's a great scene between the two of them continuing their relationship. Um, I really love Jefferson. I love Sebastian Stan in that role. I wish that he wasn't so busy so that he could be on more. Um, mm-hmm. 
Because yeah, I just I I think it's I think it's great. I mean, I really want him on Wonderland at least once. So I just I think it's awesome. And yeah, love Jefferson. Amy, yeah, I've been like gathering for a minute. That, what do you think? But I just I think that that line from him just makes his character even more tragic. And yes, I love him. I love Sebastian Sam, but I also love the fact that he's the Mad Hatter because I'm such an Alice in Wonderland freak. But the fact that he doesn't, he wants something totally new. He doesn't want to remember their old life. He doesn't want to remember the storybook life or storybook life. He wants Regina to write something totally new, totally separate, so they can go forward from them because he knows, he realizes that all of this, if he keeps what he knows to be his story, it's just going to continue to break his heart over and over again. And if Regina just wakes Grace up, then she's going to be heartbroken because she's going to realize, one, she has 28 years, and two, now these people she's lived with all this time that she thought were her family are not. So he's, I mean, it's just heartbreaking that he's willing to give up everything that's real just to be happy and to have his daughter happy. Yeah, it's it it really is. It's just so tragic because he even says, you know, when she says that she offers to wake Grace up and then he says, you know, that having two lives in their head is like the worst curse that there is. It's just like, man, even like he's even, this guy is never going to be happy because even after the curse is broken and his daughter remembers, they're still going to be kind of cursed, like in his point of view. So it's like, oh my gosh, like I feel so bad for for yeah. Jefferson. Um I mean, just really, I mean, really, it really is tragic. Um, so, yeah, I then after that, I want to keep it rolling. I definitely take Frank in for Wonderland. Yeah. I know we're getting, oh, we're getting uh, Barbara Hershey back on Wonderland, which is great, and now we're getting, you know, Rose McGowan back as young Cora. So we're getting Cora, Queen of Hearts on both shows again. We know there's major crossover coming, and I would love if Sebastian Sands' schedule freed up, because the writers even talked about it before. They said that he's not opposed to doing it. He was just so busy doing the Captain America Winter Soldier movie, but it's wrapped now because it comes out in April. So if his schedule's free and they're able to get him in for Wonderland, I would oh, love, love to see that. That's what I want to. I, I'm, that's what I want to, absolutely. I, especially if they could do it as like a coup and like it was a secret thing and he just showed up, you know, it's like, they didn't announce anything beforehand. I would love that even more. I think if he just if they didn't even say he was going to be there, that would just be fantastic. Um, just pop that, just, yeah. Oh, yeah, you know what I mean. Absolutely. So then after that, when we go back to the flashback, we are seeing the, the you know the actual attack on the castle, and specifically the fairies. <laughs> the fairies yeah, attack the on fairies the castle. Okay. <laughs> because yeah, first you know when Blue is like fairies attack i'm like okay now it's on and then you know it's like there's just the three of them and i'm like oh okay and then it goes to that shot where it's like panning over the lake and you see like all the fairies and they're like buzzing like bees and they're all the different colors and i was like okay like (laughs) like, this is some pretty serious business now we're getting all of the magic in there aren't we so yeah just i love that um, and the other it thing, too, that I want to say about... It from Sleeping Beauty, where the yes, fairies put everybody to sleep. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's what I thought of, too. And I'm glad that you, that you brought that up, because as they're, 
you know, before the fairies get there, you know, it was like snow and the dwarves are kicking all that butt and snow is throwing knives and doing the knee slide under people's thought, you know, swords and all that other stuff, right? And she's totally kicking all this ass. Okay, so then the fairies show up, right? And here's the, here's the interesting thing. There's two attacks, basically, by the fairies. The first one, you know, they get them, and then snow and the dwarves regroup, and then they're standing there, and well, no, wait. It's the second time that fairies are throwing dust at the guards. If you look really carefully, there is, on the right-hand side of the screen, there's a red fairy, a green fairy, and a blue fairy, which are the same colors of the fairies in Sleeping Beauty, and I immediately thought of Flora, Fauna, and Meriwether, because those are those fairies. <laughs> so I was thinking to myself, oh, oh, because I've always looked to see, and this was actually the time that I finally caught it. I was like, oh, they're right there. They are right there. Because of any of the characters that we have yet to see from, you know, some of the Disney movies, the three good fairies from Sleeping Beauty are probably towards the top of my list for people I want to see, um, you know, that I, are, that I know aren't coming. Like, I'm, uh, you know, I know that we know Rapunzel is coming. We know the Wicked Witch is coming. We know that there are characters who are coming, you know, that I want to see. But so far, we've heard nothing of the three good fairies, and I want to see them. I want to meet them. I want to know what's up with, the, with those fairies. So that's just my opinion. Um, so, yeah, there we are. That's all. That's where I'm at with that. So then um, the scene right after that is when Henry goes to August, and August tells him that, you know, he's, he's giving up. The only person who really has faith anymore is Henry. Because, of course, who is Henry? He's the truest believer. Ah, okay. So, um, so that's why Henry believes. Okay, cool. I love that scene because I almost think of it as like, I feel like August can relate to Henry on the kid level thing. Like, I, I don't know why. Like, I just feel like, the, like those are two characters who have always related to each other. Um, this is the mm-hmm. first episode that we've rewatched where we've had a scene between the two of them. But in the other episodes that they had scenes together, they, were, they have really cool chemistry and they played off each other really well, and I really enjoyed it. So um, I just I, I did want to point that out, that I, I did like that scene for that reason. Um, Amy, did you want to add anything about that because I'm totally just gabbing like a scene here. Oh, well, I I liked that scene a lot, and I I liked also the upcoming scene we'll talk about with Emma and August because I mean this is where Henry oh. I mean he he's been believing the whole time, but he finally you know he sees the wood and he's like wait a minute you mean I'm right the curse is real because this is like the first time in the whole entire season he finally has proof that he can see it's not just you know they it's a line i think it's from the santa claus you know they they say um believing isn't seeing seeing is believing and this is the first time he actually sees something yeah yeah it's sorry not to interrupt but i know that i know that movie so well it's not it's um seeing isn't believing believing is seeing like kids yeah. always have to see something to know that it's there. It's, that's the full line. Wow, I think I've seen that movie a few times. Okay, go on with your point. Sorry to interrupt. <laughs> I was just going to say that I think that that was great for him. And he, you know, as soon as he saw that, and he had this confirmation. He's like, oh, my gosh, and you're Pinocchio. And, and August is saying he wants to spend time with his father. And he's like, Geppetto, Marco, you know, he knows right away. And you can just see... And Jared Gilmore did a really good job because you can see that he's over the moon excited that he's been right. Because, it, which leads me to think that at some point during this whole season, he's had a little seed of doubt in his own head. Like, what if 
you know, I am crazy. What if I'm not right? You know, what if and I'm this, wrong? Yeah. Yeah, what if I'm wrong? And now he's he's got this one scene and he he sees August turning to what and he's like, Oh my gosh, I'm not wrong. I'm right. This is really happening. So yeah, I think that was a great moment. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> sorry, everybody. I'm laughing at a comment from the chat room. Um, <laughs> so Peter is in the chat room, and he said, if the fairies use the wrong dust, will all the guards go to meet Robin Hood in the pub or something? <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry. That I don't mean to laugh at that. I mean, but I can't help <laughs> I just can't help it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was hilarious, Peter. I love you, Peter Pizza. Um, if you're listening to the podcast and you're a new listener or you're a new visitor to Once Upon a Fan, uh, Once Upon a Time fans um, on Facebook or anything, Peter Pizza is one of our regulars, and uh, we just we love him. We met him in Orlando in uh, November, and he's just fabulous. Peter, I love you. You're such a great guy. Okay, um, so then after that, yeah, he was trapped in Neverland with us. Um, which I still need to get the other half of that video up to. Okay, so um, the next point that I want to talk about, too, is that right after that scene, okay, right after um, the, the scene with Henry and August and, you know, they're doing their thing, um, it's the scene where uh, Emma and Archie are in the diner and they're talking and, and Emma's, like, you know, ready to fight for Henry again and all that stuff, right? Notice, notice, everybody, that she's wearing her red jacket again in that scene, that she is no longer covering that up, but that she is, in fact, like, embracing it and totally going for it and finally getting back to who she really is and assuming her role as, you know, the kick-ass savior. So um, that's why I wanted to say earlier, that's why I brought that point up about the sweater, because now that she's back in Storybrooke and she's decided to maybe fight for Henry and stay there still, she's back to wearing her jacket. So... Yeah, just wanted to point that out. Um, the other thing about that scene, too, one of Archie's lines. He says, in many ways, your arrival has woken a sleeping dragon. Well, it sure did, as we all Literally. know and come to find out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that was another, like, I love that line, because that one stood out to me, too, and I was like, ooh, I wonder if we're going to see a dragon. Like, because, you know, it's kind of a weird thing to say. So, yeah, there was that point. And then after that, right, okay, so Snow and Charming are in the cell. Well, Snow gets to Charming's cell, what she thinks is Charming's cell. And she sees the mirrors there. And, you know, they have their conversation in the mirror, which is so sad because, you know, like she says, well, let's always be our life. You know, one of us always trying to find the other. Um, yeah, so that was, I thought it was really sad because she's sitting there thinking, God, like, is this always going to be a relationship? Again. Oh, my God. This sucks. Yeah. Like, <laughs> again? Like, really? Okay. So sad. Yeah. So the other, so this is the other, there's a couple of things that I love about this scene. First of all, when Regina interrupts and she's laughing, she's like, I just had to stop you. I have no interest in cleaning tongue marks off my mirror. <laughs> I, I think love that it. Was, <laughs> that was really one of, I think, Regina's first one-liners that really got me. Um, because that was, that was just hilarious. But then later on, right, right afterwards, she says, have you ever heard of a parlay? And that's why I'm so glad that you mentioned the Pirates of the Caribbean lock being in the pawn shop before, because that was the line that Regina said that is yes. from Pirates of the Caribbean. Because oh, Lee Ehrenberg, who played Pentel and also plays Grumpy and Leroy, 
he is the one who hates parlay the most. And then, of course, yes. he's on the show with it. Ha, ha, oh, my God, loved it. Just loved it. Thought it was great. Um, what, Pintel is probably Grumpy's, like, you know, like, there's, there's absolutely no reason. Yeah, like, there's no reason why, right? Like, Pintel couldn't have just been, like, some dwarf who got turned into a human and then fell through a portal and became a pirate. Like, you can make Especially it happen. Especially with I've the other bit of casting news coming up, you know. Oh, I hadn't oh. even thought about that. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, okay, so really quick, to go back to a point of news, they're casting the character of Blackbeard for Once Upon a Time, and I'm totally hoping that he is the one who kills Hook. I'm, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying, because like, apparently I just You're really so wanted to die. And Blackbeard is really, the last movie. He is movie. so boring. Like, oh my god! Like, I, I just, it's like, it's give the man something to do, and I might be more into him. But for right now, the man is so boring. I, I mean, geez, even if he were to shine his hook a little bit or something, I think it'd be more interesting than what he's doing right now. Like, he's just standing around, like, yeah. not doing anything. I mean, I'm just. I'm uh, sure I'm I saying. speak for lots of wonsers when I say, "Oh, I've got plenty for him to do." <laughs> So. <laughs> I have nothing just to say saying. on that regard. Yeah. <laughs> I have nothing to say on that. That's all so I'm the next, <laughs> I'm just gonna I'm just gonna move it along because we've got to keep going because we have so much to talk about. Yes. Okay. So um, then it's then it's Regina and Jefferson down in Regina's crypt, right? Okay. And here's the thing that I just want to point out, coming back to the color red and how it means power and all of these other things, right? Okay. Here we go. When they go down into the crypt. There's a bunch, there's like, you know, like a, like a mosaic, if you will, that's like on the floor. And in the center of it is a big red circle. And what circle does Jefferson put the hat on before you sit? The red one. I'm just saying. Of course, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the thing, and here's, here, and then, so we're spinning the hat and we're trumping the trinkets into the hat. We're spinning it and it's not working. And then Regina sacrifices her engagement ring from Daniel so that she can do it and get her revenge. And then the hat's working, so then Jefferson tells her to guide the hat towards where they need to be. And then this is when I got a little confused, because apparently the hat can not only cross realms, but it's also a DeLorean in disguise and can cross time as well. (laughs) It's a time jumper. (laughs) <laughs> so, yeah, you know, like, I thought that was really weird because you know, here's what I basically thought to myself, right? I was like, so theoretically, if we got the hat working, Emma could use magic and spin the hat and think back to the moment that Regina did the curse in the first place and stop mm. her from doing it. Like, and then all of a sudden I thought to myself, you are in the middle of some weird Star Trek wormhole time travel time paradox thing, and you need to step out. Like, you need to back the yellow bug up a little bit, because I think you've gone too far down this road. You are thinking a little bit too much about this now. Mm. But seriously, though, like, it's, it's a little weird. Like, I'm, I'm just, it's just a little weird. But anyways, um, that's like, so anyway, I just want to make the point that the hat goes on the red circle. That was... <laughs> That was really the point of what I wanted to bring up with the hat. Uh, so then afterwards... Um, and his flux capacitor. Yeah. <laughs> and the flux capacitor. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so then after that, it's the scene where Regina and Snow meet at the stables, which I think is probably one of my favorite um, Snow-Regina scenes that there are, even between Mary Margaret and Regina or Snow and Regina or mm-hmm. you know, post-curse-breaking combo. Like, this is one of my favorite scenes because 
the first of all, the music plays right back to Daniel's theme song, which I love that. Um, and then they brought up Daniel in the ring, and then you know they go back to his desk. So it was you know just a good play. But there's you know Daniel. First of all, Daniel has a grave, um, which I, I don't understand why. Now that I was watching it back, because I was like, wait, Regina has Homeboy frozen in a glass coffin somewhere. Why does he have a grave? But maybe she just wanted to mark the spot because. You know, she didn't want everyone to know that he was alive and she was keeping him frozen in some weird Futurama thing. I don't know. Like, maybe that's why it's there. But um, the thing that I love about Daniel's Grave, too, is that it looks just like the Seven Dwarves Cottage in the Snow White animated movie. Like, it looks right. just like I, And I thought that was a great touch. Definitely. Uh, <laughs> Peter Pizza said, the tomb of the unknown stable boy. Oh, goodness. well, didn't she only have him frozen in the glassy coffin thing up until uh, Rumple tricked her when they were using oh, uh, Frankenstein? Right. Yeah, and then once yeah, she got, okay. he so she must be have put it back. there afterwards. Okay, yeah. so, okay, so that thank you. Okay, thank you for that. That makes sense because okay, sometimes this timeline gets a little screwy. So okay, yeah, cool. Thank you for that. All right, so um, the thing too. Okay, the the line that really sticks out to me the most is when Regina says, you promised to keep my secret. You promised, but you lied. And then everything that she says after that, her anguish, Regina's anguish, is so palpable and mm-hmm. just and powerful. And the thing, too, is that when she says, but you lied, her voice shakes. Like, she goes from being the evil queen, Regina, to, like, regular, like, almost like, you know, that young, young girl Regina. That like, you lied. Daniel. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, and, her and then eyes when she goes off about her mother, yeah, I mean, yeah, and you know, part of it, like, I wonder, and I always interpreted this to be the case too, is that I feel like Regina, honestly, like, I feel like she honestly has regret in that moment that, like, her relationship with Snow ended up the way that it did because of how close they once were at one point. Like, and I almost feel like, like, there was always been a part of Regina that regretted what she, oh. Even though she said she had no regrets, though, she did say that in Neverland, and, the, and she got away from that tree in that one episode, so maybe she didn't. But I always interpreted that to be the case, that in some level she regretted the way that their relationship had been. Um, so, yeah, maybe not, but that's what I had always thought. Um, and then also, too, okay, okay, so then this. Okay, cool. So then Regina is wearing a purple dress. Now, purple mm-hmm. generally means magic, and she's using magic to defeat Snow White. And, of course, what is she using to defeat Snow White? An apple. What color is an apple? It's red. red. And who is in power and who is in control of the situation at that point? Regina. So Regina's – literally, her symbol is an apple. That is basically Regina's symbol. It's an apple. And, that, and it's red. Like, it, her symbol of power is red, and it's the thing she brought down. And it's using magic, and she's wearing a purple dress, and purple means magic. Like, it all means the same. Like, it all, mm-hmm. like, the color, it's, it's seriously, it's another one of those scenes in the series where they're using color to emphasize something else. Because Snow, you know, she does it, and also, too, the fact that, that Regina's dress is purple and that it's so, like, fancy compared to Snow's dress, which is white and kind of, you know, earth tones and yeah very and it's also and it's really and it's really natural materials it doesn't have a lot of adornment no accessories no extras it's more natural more 
you know, more earthy, so to speak. So that's also a difference in their character and what they put emphasis on. Like they're, you know, the different things that they love too. So, you know, Regina is more vain. So of course she wears the fancier clothes. You know what I mean? Like, so that's what the evil queen is. So just little stuff like that. I just love it. Um, and then the look on Regina's face when Snow actually bites the apple, that look of just pure, like almost like joy, like, yes, finally I got her. Like, And she's almost you know like I mean? doing the motions with her. Do you see she like opens her mouth as Snow opens her mouth and she takes a breath when Snow finally, you know, bites into it. She's like, like, you know, she's reveling in it. Like, finally, this is, this is the moment. And it's almost like, She's thinking, oh, this is the moment where my heartache is going to end because I'm finally getting my revenge. Yeah, Amy, are you still there? Well, something has happened to Amy. Maybe her phone has gone to mute. I'm not sure, but I've lost her. So... Um, Amy, if you come on back, I'm going to let you continue making your point, but I'm going to get on to the next one so that hopefully you will have enough time to come back from wherever you were. So um, the other thing, too, okay, so then after that, you know, when snow hits the ground and the apple goes, the apple goes rolling down, you know, the hill and, you know, charming, is, you know, it, it's really sad, I feel, Um and it's basically just because, like, she's, like, laying there and it goes rolling and then, yeah, it goes into the hat and there's all this other stuff. Like, it's, it's I just, I really like it. And I got to tell you, everybody, it is really weird to sit here and host a podcast when you're the only person talking because <laughs> it's just so bizarre. But I think I have Amy back now. So let me check and see. Amy, are you with me now? I am with you. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so Maury said you fell through Jefferson's hat. Don't worry. We I will always that. find you. So, <laughs> Yeah, so so what were you saying? What were you saying? What was I saying? Oh. You're talking about yeah. I, was, I was just saying that the uh it seemed like, you know, she opened her mouth when Snow opened her mouth to take a bite of that apple. It was like she was reveling in that moment and it it seemed like she was thinking in her mind that yes, this is the moment that I'm finally going to end my heartache. I'm finally going to be over this and yeah. of course we know that's not what happens. You don't, you, sometimes there are some hurts that it's just kind of impossible to fill. And so it, it obviously it wasn't all it was cracked up to be. But, yeah, you can tell she was just thinking that that was finally going to be the moment when her pain was over. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, snow hits the ground and the apple goes through the hat and, you know, it goes into, you know, they have it and Regina has to figure out, you know, how to get the savior to taste her forbidden fruit, which just I'm I'm not even I'm not even gonna go there. So yeah. So then so then after that, right? Okay, it goes to Regina in the kitchen, and <laughs> the very first thing I thought of when I saw this one was cooking. Turnover. Yes, baking one turnover <laughs> at a time because everyone does that. Um. So yeah, you know there was that, but as soon as I saw the scene, Amy, I thought of cooking with the evil queen. I, I really did. Um, it was my very first thought. So um, I just, <laughs> I just, I love that. But yeah, so Regina, she, you know, she makes the one turnover at a time, and then Emma shows up and, you know, tells her that she's going to leave. And then they go in the kitchen, 
And Regina offers her a snack for the road and gives her the one turnover that she made. And <laughs> because seriously, who does that? So, I just spent all day just one turnover, but here, Emma, you have it. Exactly, like you know, she could have at least like. <laughs> yeah, just I just thought that that was so funny. And there's also one little thing that I want that I want to um, point out too about this scene. <laughs> Is that when Lana is trying to when when Regina is trying to put the tray down on the stove, you can tell that she can't like get it to like she can't almost let go of it because something is stuck, and she has to use her other hand to like push it off. And the very and the very first thing I thought about that was oh my god, sorry about that, everybody. Beware of uh, ringing phones when you're. Uh, so anyways, um, the very first thing, shoot, what was I saying? Amy, help me. What was the I very saying? first thing you thought when she had to use her other hand to take the turnover. Oh, okay, yeah, was, was ouch, Regina, didn't, that, didn't you bring yourself there, girl? Like, <laughs> yeah, so that was, oh, that man, was the first thing I thought. Yeah, you People know what I mean? So, yeah, I just, old. Exactly, I thought that was great. So, um. So the thing that I want to point out about this, too, okay, is that in this scene, Emma, my dear Emma, is wearing a skirt. And she is wearing that same outfit throughout the next episode, too. So I just want to, I'm just, I'm just going to say that now so that when we actually get to that point later on, I can bring it up again. So I also wanted to say, too, and Lori pointed out in the chat room, when Regina actually hands Emma the turnover, Regina or Emma is looking at it like, I'm about to take food from the evil queen. And you know that she's looking at her like, you're the evil queen. I know it. And then she's, you know, she just takes it, you know, just to be nice. <laughs> but I'm hungry, and, though. <laughs> yeah, you know, she's hungry. You know, she, she needs that snack for the road. So she's going to take the turnover and all is going to be well. So then, you know, she leaves and, of course, and then Regina has that great line where she says, I do hope you like apples. And Emma just gets this look on her look like, well, on her face like, well, thanks, Regina. Like, I guess I do. So, yeah. Um, and you would think, like, she, you, she totally knows at that point. And then, anyways, after that is the scene where, you know, Regina goes to Gold Shop and they're talking and she's telling him how she's basically one and all this other stuff. And then it goes to the scene between Emma and Henry, which I find – Really, really sad. Um, there's a lot, I mean, it's just because it's sad when she tells him that, and he's like, no, no, like, it's, it really is kind of, it's for Henry's sake, it's really kind of heartbreaking. And then when he says, you're just scared, this happens to all heroes, it's just, you know, the low moment before you fight back. That totally plays into season three when he gave his heart to Pan, because he, you know, his whole thing is thinking about the heroes, and they have to, you know, there's always that moment where, you know, you know what I mean? Like, so I just thought that that kind of played into where Henry is at in season three, too, and it kind of stood out to me in that way. I don't know about you, Amy, what you thought about that. but Yeah, I thought that was probably one of Jared Gilmore's best three or four minutes right there in that end scene. And mm-hmm. when he tells her, you know, you, you might not believe in the curse or in me, but I believe in you. And then, oh, you God. know, he goes ahead and takes the bite. I was like, oh, you know, he, he knows what he's risking, but he has so much faith that she's going to be able to save him, that he does it anyway. I think that really was his big hero moment. You know, he, we, even through the latter seasons, he, you know, he's always wanting to be a hero, 
And it almost seems like he doesn't even realize that just by that one act, that was a huge heroic thing that he did. Exactly. Um, I, I Totally. Um, it is, I think that that is one of Henry's finest character moments that he's ever had. And, um, you know, it was that scene really, and when I, as I've been rewatching the season, something that I really have hit upon, I really miss scenes between Emma and Henry because they were really good. Um, yeah. They like they had a really good relationship, and I really liked the two of them when they were together. And so I'm really hoping that, you know, with the upcoming episodes of season three, that we do get to see a little bit more of that because because that's just great. Um, yeah. I just love it. And the other thing too about the scene that I want to say there's a couple of lines of stand out when Emma says, "Henry, this isn't a story. This is reality." Uh, again, the story thing comes up. This isn't a story. And I know she's just saying that because, you know, that's her point, but it, it was, it, it's the same line of dialogue. It, the same thing has come up again. So I'm just like, what, that's got, what does that mean? It's got to mean something. It just comes up too much. So, and then right after that, when Henry says, you really don't believe, and Emma can't answer him. She doesn't say no. She can't give him an answer. And I love that because it's like Emma, and I remember thinking when this episode had first come out when it was new, I remember thinking, like, I was actually yelling at the TV, like, Emma, you know you believe. Just admit it. Mm. Like, you know you believe in this. Come on. You've got to. I was yelling at the TV, and Lori mentioned it, too, because when he fell, she just kind of stood there, (laughs) you know. Stood there, right. It was fine. I was like... Um, at least go, you know, knock him with your shoe or something to see if he's alive or faking. <laughs> like, don't just stand there and stare at him. <laughs> yeah, I was telling him. Yeah, I did, I did kind of notice that, too. I did kind of think that, that was a little bit weird. But I also kind of thought, like, maybe she just thought that, you know, he was, like, joking around or whatever. Right. But, I mean, That's I know why they did it, because they want it they wanted to look the same way that it did. Because I posted on the Once Upon a Fan podcast on our Facebook page, I posted a comparison shot of, Snow on the ground with Regina behind her and Henry on the ground with Emma behind him. And so I know that yeah, they did it because they wanted it to look identical. the same. Yeah, yeah. So I know that they did it because they wanted it. it to look the same, but it was a thing like, Emma, why didn't you go help your kid? Like, really. Like, come on, girl. get mm-hmm. Go do your thing. So, yeah. Um, there was that. And then, of course, that all, that whole big ending there. And, of course, the flashback with, you know, Charming is still stuck in the cell and, you know, Snow is under the curse and all those other things. Okay. That leads right into the next episode, which is Land Without Magic, which is, of course, the reason why we did the two-parters, because they do go right together with each other. Um, And, of course, it starts out with Charming escaping um, from the very situation that we just saw him in. And and then, uh, okay, here's the first thing about this episode that I love. After Charming is, like, escaping, right, and he's about to leave, and then the one soldier, come, you know, comes in, and he, sh- and he shoots the guard behind Charming. And Charming turns around, and he says, who the hell are you? And then, <laughs> and then it's the huntsman, and he takes off his helmet. And here's the thing about that. He says, who the hell are you? And then when it shows him taking off his helmet, the credit comes up, Jamie Dornan. So it's like yeah. Charlie's saying, who the hell are you? And then the team is like, it's Jamie Dornan. That's who it is. Like, Dornan. <laughs> so I just, I think that, that I, <laughs> it's a stupid thing, but I, <laughs> I think it's so funny. Like it, it stuck out to me the very first time I saw it. And, and every time I watch it since, it always, it always gives me a <laughs> chuckle. Like it always oh, makes you laugh. Who the hell are you? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's like, who the hell are you? I'm Jamie Dornan, husband. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and then he said, ask Charming, who are you? But then. No, no tag comes up for Charming. 
Yeah, for, yeah, because Josh's credit had already rolled. Yeah, so I just, yeah. <laughs> I just thought that I think that's just so funny. <laughs> it makes me laugh every time. So, um, so then of course we get to the scene where Emma is bringing Henry into the hospital, and Whale is there, and it's all you know the tension, and you know did he eat this, and you know what did he eat, what's wrong, you know nobody can figure it out. And she's like, figure it out if it was Drano or whatever it is, and you know Whale is like, there's no reason for this to happen. It's almost like. And then, of course, she says it's, you know, she's emptying his book bag out, and she sees the book, and she says, it's like magic. And she touches the book, and it's that moment where she her, all her booty memories back, but it's true. Yeah, you know, the flashes, and she knows that it's true, and then, you know, that it's, and then it ends, and it's that great shot where it zooms in on Emma's face, and she's got that look of, like, I am the savior. And I just yeah. loved that moment. Like, I remember when it was new, I was like, I had my hands over my mouth. I was like on the edge of my seat going like, oh, my God, she believes. Like, what's going to happen now? She believes. And then what I did know. happen right then? Re- Regina walked in. And there's that fantastic scene where she's like, you did this. And she throws Regina in the storage closet. And she's like, you did this. And she's attacking her and all this other stuff. That I'm telling you, that is probably, I think, I forgot how much I loved this episode because of that scene. That is probably one of my favorite scenes of the entire show, period. Because the power too. between like, their... Oh, so good. Like, the Jennifer Morrison's that. portrayal is oh. just... Yeah, J-Mo's Gen- portrayal in that scene is just above and beyond anything. Like, her genuine rage and just... And her instant oh. face change, that's what sticks out to me. Like, she empties out the backpack, and there's an Apollo bar. Hey, Lost fans. And, you know, Henry's reading X-Men vs. Avengers, <laughs> too, by the way. And then she picks up the book, gets those glasses. <laughs> we see her face. It's this instant... Oh my God, it's true! And she's got like this face of revelation, and then Regina walks in, and she just takes the tiniest tip to her face, like down, and her eyes kind of squint a little bit, and it's that just subtle. Oh my God, this is great! I'm gonna kill this bitch. It was like just that quick. It was so good. yeah, and you, uh, yes, absolutely. And you know what I love about that too is that was the first time that I thought to myself, "Oh, Emma's got a dark side," and that was yeah, the first time uh-oh. that I ever actually thought to myself, like that was the very first time I ever thought that Emma might go evil at some point in the series because I do think that's a possibility, although it kind of is leaning away from it a little bit more now. But back then, I had originally thought that. You know, um, Henry was going to reject both Henry and Emma at one. Or, jeez, Henry was going to reject mm. both Regina and Emma at one point, and so Reg- and so uh, Emma was going to go bad for a bit. Like her and Regina were going to like team up, so to speak, and then she was going to, you know, like come to her senses and all this other stuff. But it's, I think it's moving away from that now. Um, I think that there's less of a chance for that to happen. I, I think it still could happen, but I just think that the chance is reducing. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, and, but that scene in the storage in the storage closet when Emma's standing there and she's like, "It's true, isn't it?" And Regina says, "What are you talking?" She goes, "It's true, isn't it? All of it." And and Regina says, "Yes." Oh my God, that moment is so amazing. That moment is so amazing. I just I I oh, I could watch it a million times. Because then afterwards when Emma was like, I was going to leave town, why couldn't you have just left it all alone? And, you know, they're having that moment. Like, and it was the one time, like, you know that Regina could have lied. Regina could have lied and said, no, it's not true. But if she had lied, then Henry would have died. And 
that was when it's like, okay, she actually does care about this kid because she chose to save his life and just tell the truth and, and accept the fact that the curse is about to break, like, because she cared about him so much. But still, like, just that scene is so amazing. I can't say enough good things about it, and I'm just going to like, make myself sound like an idiot going around in circles if I try. So, Amy, what do you think about that whole thing? I love that whole beginning scene. And, yeah, Regina could have lied, but I think she really realized that, one, okay, the jig's up, and, two, if she kept lying, it was going to – Henry was going to be the one that had to pay for it, you know, that – right then in that moment she does love henry and i she always loved henry no matter even with the horrible things she did so i think she knows that it's time to just give it up and you know she has to do whatever it takes to get henry to get him fixed and healed exactly and then the other thing too is like um the, the other thing that I want to say about that, too, is that scene is at the end of it, Regina reveals that gold is really Rumpelstiltskin, and Emma has this look on her face like, oh, 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 my. Like, I, yeah, <laughs> I, I just had to catch myself there. But, yeah, <laughs> but, yeah but she's just like, yeah, but she's just like, oh, my God, really? Okay. So then after that, right, it's the scene where Charming has escaped and Regina is freaking out, and she sends Charming to the Infinite Forest. Now, okay, here, here's my thing, right? You can't cross realms unless you have a portal or something. So I know that Regina did not magically whisk him away to, like, another realm or, or another land or whatever, but where the hell is the infinite forest? Like, it's, it's part of fairytale land. Because that's, it? It was okay, in true because... North. Yeah, it was in true north. That's where she sends the kids at the end to wander around, you know, when they choose to not want to be with her and they want to go look for their father, she sends them out to the infinite forest where they'll have very slim chance of ever finding their way out or ever finding their father. God, she's so mean, but I just love her. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Man, this, I was really confused about that because I was like, wait, like, is it just like, is it just a part of a forest that somebody put a spell on and said, no, you can never leave. It just goes round and round in a circle. Like, where the hell is this thing? So, yeah, I just, that's what I was trying to figure out. So then after that, of course, is the great, fantastic, amazing, need to see more things like this sword fight between Rumple and Charming in the forest, mm. which just, I mean, I could watch that all day, especially that moment when Charming swings his sword at, at Rumple's face and Robert Carlyle grabs that blade and doesn't even blink. He doesn't even blink. Yeah, it's so just—it's fantastic. Robert Carlyle is always awesome, but I love the sword fight because usually his scenes where he's destroying or fighting are more about magic, and he actually got to do a little bit of physicality and that with the sword fighting. I thought it was so good, and you know. And he's, like, laughing through most of it. He's like, are, are, are we really going to keep doing this? Because, you know, this is how it's going to end. <laughs> like, he knows he's going to win. He's just kind of, you know, playing along with Charming for a minute there. Yeah. Abs- yeah, absolutely. I, I thought it was great. And then I love the fact that when Charming did get a hit in and he slides Trumple's face, like he just uses magic to fix it. And then he kind of goes to town on Charming a little bit. That's when he gets serious and kind of gives him a couple of hits and then, you know, has him right where he needs him, and he's like, come on, like, like, we both want the same thing, like, 
just go find Snow White and it'll all be good. And then, so yeah, there's that. And then we get to the scene where it's Regina and Emma in the pawn shop. And when they walk mm, in, yeah. says, is it just me or is that the look of a believer? And even then yeah. it starts. And then you can kind of tell that, like, I always kind of interpret it this way, that when Emma walks up to the counter and she says, we need your help, and she's looking at him, she's kind of looking at him with this look on his face like, oh, my God, I'm talking to Rumpelstiltskin. Like, mm. oh, my God. Which, I mean, to be honest, I kind of understand that feeling. Been there. So, yeah, you know, whatever. And then um, after that, and, you know, and then he gives her, you know, you're going to need this. And then, you know, she's like, what is that? And then they show the sword. And he goes, your, and he whispers it, your father's sword. And then it shows Emma. And she's really like, oh, my God, this is true. Like, it's really real. Like, they're actually talking to me about this. Oh, my God, I can't believe it. Like, that whole thing. And then, of course, the thing with Gold and Regina talking about Maleficent being down there, but not mentioning her by name, just saying a friend in the basement. And, you know, oh, it's just so delicious. Like, I just, I love that scene. I think it's great. When those three are together or when any of those three characters have scenes with each other, I'm, that's when I'm just glued to the television because I think those are my top three. So then um, after that, we get the scene where Henry is in the hospital bed and Emma and Regina take turns going to see him. And Emma is talking to him about, you know, uh, Emma's talking to him about, you know, she should have believed him and Regina's apologizing and Jefferson shows up and he wants her to help him and she won't and he's pissed and, just all the things that are going on, like the just momentum is just totally building. This episode, I feel like it went by in like 15 minutes. I mean, it just so much happens and it happens so quickly that I just, I mean, it's like boom, 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 like nonstop. It just, it's just amazing. Um, right. Um, what do you think about those scenes, Amy? Don't let me, don't let me dab too much. <laughs> I love those scenes. I love that when they're in the pawn shop and, Gold says he might have something for a rainy day, and Emma's like, "Yeah, well, it's storming like a bitch. So, what do you have?" Yeah, so I thought that was that was one of my favorite lines. I love that these three really hesitantly have to kind of work together, even though it seems that they're they're not because of the way things play out. I like that you know it. Everybody is really strong, like Emma's strong and Regina's strong, and they're both having to work together and not wanting to to get Henry. Love, love, love that we got to see Maleficent because I love Maleficent and I'm still hoping for some backstory on Maleficent and Regina and Maleficent and Sleeping Beauty's mother, whatever went on with them, because I think that is just too juicy to leave it alone. But I Mm -hmm. love that whole section. And I can't – I remember when they first went into the library – so excited! I was like, "Oh my God, we're finally gonna get to see what's inside the library!" Because every, literally, I remember every episode up until this one. Anytime anyone would walk past that library, I was constantly like zooming my eyeballs in on the TV, trying to see if I could squint through the glass or read anything that was written on the outside. So I was asking my husband, "Do you see anything through those windows?" I can't see anything, so. Yeah, when they finally got to go inside, I know, like a total dork. And I'm like, look, look, tell me if I'm missing something. So, yeah, we were scouring for that. But I I love that. And then that whole, the way Emma's battle with Maleficent mirrors her father's battle with Maleficent. Oh, Jesus. So oh, yes. Good. Oh, God. 
Yeah. Okay. So uh-huh. before we get into that whole thing at the library, I want to I want to jump back a second because there was a scene between Emma and August right before that happened, and one of my favorite one of my favorite scenes of the of this episode is because mm-hmm. first of all, when Emma says to him, "This is too much," she's like, "I I I just talked to the evil queen and Rumpelstiltskin about a quest to find magic." Like she's kind of like, "I can't do this. <laughs> like, like this is real." Like. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I just love the, I love her reaction to that. I just I think it's fantastic. And then also mm-hmm. when when August actually turns into wood, it's oh, so sad. That heartbreaking. Yes, because he yeah, she's like she's asking him. She's like, you know, you're the one. You tried to help me. You tried to make me see. Please help me. I can't do this. And he's like, yes, you can. You know, you can save. All of, well, he didn't even get to finish the sentence, but he's saying, "You can save all of us." And then he turns to stone, and it's just like, "Oh!" Because I thought they had some uh, yeah. some good chemistry going on there for a while during that season. Yeah, I'm just saying. So, so then right after that, oh, I just want to say, too, Maleficent is under the library. No wonder Regina closed it. Like, mm-hmm. no wonder. Not trying to risk somebody finding a dragon running around a storybook. Like, I mean, who's going to <laughs> So then the other thing, too, that I just want to say, before Regina goes down there, like, when they get in the room and she goes over to that mirror that's shaped like a apple tree, the thing, like, here's the thing. If you look, Regina touches an apple to open the wall. I love mm-hmm. it. I love it. I freaking love it. I love this episode so much. It's one of my favorites of the entire show. It's definitely one of my top five, probably top three. Um, it was like my absolute top favorite episode until Lost Girl came out, and then it was just like, oh my god! And then Going Home has done even more damage to that whole ranking system. So yeah, I don't know where this episode is anymore, but it's definitely my top five. Um, so yeah, she touches the apple to open the secret door, and then okay, here's another thing that I want to point out too. Okay, right after that, Emma says to Regina, "Let's be clear about something, Your Majesty." The only reason you're not dead is because I need your help to save Henry. If he dies, so do you. Now, here's the thing, right? In, here, and I can't help but notice this. Here's why I brought up Jefferson when he told Regina he was going to kill her in an apparatus blow, and she said, you, I don't believe you. You don't have it in you. I'm pretty sure that Emma does have it in her and that Regina knows it because she just looks at her and says, then let's get on with it, or whatever she says. Like, this is what you're going to have to do. She looks at the sword. Like, I kind of had a feeling at that moment that Regina understood that Emma was serious and that she was telling the truth. That's how I have always interpreted that scene. I always. I think so, too, because in that moment, I mean, I don't know, maybe it's just because I'm a mom, but I can, I know it probably sounds horrible to say, but seriously, if somebody ever did something to my son, they wouldn't have to worry about going to prison or jail or anything else because I would end them. And I can say that with total confidence. And I'm not a violent person. I've never been in a fight in my life. But I can say with 100% confidence, if anybody ever does anything to my son, I will end you. I will destroy your happiness, <laughs> cut off parts of your body. You that, <laughs> if it is the last thing I do, I will cut parts of your body off and feed them to you. And that'll be it. <laughs> like so, Ooh, yeah. I totally believe it. You're getting dark. Oh, you're getting <laughs> Don't mess with my <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I gotcha. I won't. 
So, <laughs> so then after that, of course, Emma goes, gets in the library, and she goes down to the cavern. She walks in the chamber, and the first thing she sees is her mother's coffin, which I love. And even then, oh, I, I thought to myself, that. that's a little weird. Like, that's a little weird. Like, I even thought to myself, then, why the hell would Regina keep that around? Like, I don't understand the point of that. Is, she, is it like some kind of, like, it's not like it's a scrapbook album. Like, oh, remember that time when Snow White defeated me and she woke up out of this coffin? Like, why does she have it here? I don't understand that. And then, of course, later on in season two, we see that that's where she hid the trigger for the whole, you know, destroy storybook thing. So right. that's when I was like, okay, that's why it's important. That's why it was in season one. Oh, okay, I gotcha. But still, at the time, I was like, there is no logical reason why she would want to have that around. But, but yeah, anyways. So I just thought that was weird. So then, that, you know, yeah, exactly. You know, that time <laughs> when I poisoned snow. <laughs> yeah, and she woke up, and Prince Charming kissed her right in this very coffin. Oh my God! It just sets my heart aflutter. Like seriously, Regina, why are you holding on to that, babe? I don't understand. Like I just, I don't get it. So, um, so then we get, you know, Emma. You know, she leans against what she thinks is the wall, and of course, it's Maleficent. She wakes up, and then we get. Emma versus Maleficent and Charming versus Maleficent, both of them going back and forth with each other at the same time, and Emma just mm. totally proving how she's her father's daughter and is just kicking all of the ass as she's, you know, trying to run around and holding her own. She's not like she's, like, causing major damage to Maleficent or anything. She doesn't even get a mm. hit in until the very end when she defeats her. But she's still holding her own. Like, she's still escaping, and she's, you know, firing her gun at her, and, you know, she's trying, and she's not being afraid and running away. She's, you know, she's just going for it. She's trying to defeat her. So... I just, I love that. I was like, go, go ahead. Like, Swan Princess, do it. Like, do it. Defeat the dragon. Defeat the dragon wearing your skirt. Like, that's the other thing, too, okay? That's why I brought it up earlier. Because Emma defeats Maleficent while she's wearing a skirt. And I just love it. I just love it. Like, because normally, you know, Emma would be wearing pants. She doesn't really, she wasn't really into that kind of feminine dress that much. You know what I mean? So the fact right. that she was like, yep. She, she basically got up that morning and was like, yep, I'm going to put on this skirt right here, and I'm going to put on these ass-kicking boots, and I'm going to put on my hot red, red leather jacket, and I'm going to go tell that evil queen off, and when I'm done, I'm going to go down and slay that dragon and break that curse and then have some hot chocolate with cinnamon on top at the end of the day. Like that, I mean, basically, that was it. Like, Emma was just going to you know, kick all of the ass. So, yeah, there was that. Um, and then, so as we're getting this juxtaposition of these two different battles playing out on each other, um, we get the scene... And I had forgotten about this scene, actually. So I'm really glad that we watched this episode because I forgot about it. It's Mary Margaret reading Henry the book. And it's like the only scene, the only scene between the two of them until going home when we see her give him the book in the first place. Right. I swear they don't have have any other scenes. Right. So I love the fact that that also plays into what's happening in the story now because we just saw her give him the book, and then she's reading him the book, and she's reading him her story. Like, it's all just so perfect and wonderful and such fabulousness. I just love it. Oh, my God. I love it so much. Okay. So good. So then then we've got Jefferson, who, you know, he's, you know, because that's, you know, because, right, Henry's heart rate drops and the situation starts to get worse and, you know, all those things are happening. And then we get the camera, you know, like the nurse is going and, all those things. So then we see that Jefferson is dressed yeah. up as a nurse, and he goes down. He goes down to the psych ward, and he knocks out the nurse, and she's Ursula, and maybe with not be. With a cup of tea. He with a cup her of tea. A cup of tea to knock her out. Yeah. I was like, yes, I love this so much. Yeah, <laughs> loving it. Yeah, loving it. Okay, and then, um, and then of course he rescues Belle, which I just love the fact that 
the Mad Hatter rescues Belle from the Evil mm. Queen and probably Ursula. Like, I just love it. Because, you know what, until they actually say who Ursula is, I, that nurse is Ursula in my mind. And I'm just going to go for it. I'm just going to go with that. Because, and if you want to know more about that, you can look for my theory on onceuponafans.com. It was my very first one. Um, because, yeah, there, she's just, she just should be Ursula, even if she's not. So, yeah, anyways. So then Jefferson <laughs> rescues Belle, and she doesn't know who she is and all this other stuff, right? And then it's Charming and Rumple, you know, so Charming, he wins. He puts the egg inside Maleficent after Rumple told him to do it. And, you know, the, the potion is in there now. And then I actually mentioned this when we were watching um, uh, the pilot and the thing you love most, <laughs> that the conversation between Regina and Maleficent in the, the thing you love most happens chronologically. It happens after this. So the entire time right. that they were sitting there having that conversation, Maleficent had the egg in her. And, and as I said then, she had to have been suffering some of the worst indigestion and heartburn ever. So anyway. Exactly. Um, because seriously. And then after that, right, okay, so then what happens after that, right? Rumple gives Charming his clothes. And what color are Charming's clothes, everyone? They are red. Oh, now, the gorgeous of red. Course, yes, and of course, what has just happened? Charming has... He's come out on top. He's defeated Maleficent and the Queen, basically, and he's writing to wake up Snow White and break Regina's curse and assume his power as the prince and start overthrowing her. Like, he's coming into power, finally. Like, finally, he's mm-hmm. no longer on the run. He's taking charge of the situation, and he's going to go kick ass. That's what's happening. Mm-hmm. And, of course, he's wearing red when he does it. And his, his, uh, the cape is kind of a little purpley, eh, a little bit. And it's kind of a red, mm-hmm. purple, burgundy, wine color-ish, but I'm still on this thing. So, you know, there's that. And then it goes back to when Emma is fighting Maleficent, and she is, you know, she's hiding behind the rock, and she sees the sword, and she runs over to the sword, and she picks it up, and in a moment that is exactly like Sleeping Beauty, she tosses that sword at Maleficent, and it goes right into her belly, and she turns into a big old fiery mess and is defeated. There's and that is just like when Prince Philip, yeah, and that's just like when Prince Philip throws the sword at Maleficent in the animated version. It reminds me of it every time. Me too, and I actually have mixed feelings about this scene because, on the one hand, like you said, it does mirror the animated Sleeping Beauty, and I love that, and I love the way the battle mirrors Emma's and her father's two different battles. But the part of me that loves Maleficent was secretly hoping that Emma would, you know, bring the dragon to a sneeze and she would transform back into her human form and, you know, Emma would have won the egg, you know, because I didn't want her to get killed because I was so hoping for some future... Maleficent going down the road, which we actually ended up kind of getting, but that's another episode. But I, I was torn by the scene. I didn't know if I wanted Emma to kill her or not. Okay, you talked about it, and I just have to go there because I don't think we're watching this episode in the in the hiatus rewatch. So okay, mm-hmm. the fact that we did see Maleficent again, but that she was some weird zombie, some dust zombie thing that looked like something out of the Mummy movies with Brendan Fraser. Like, okay, no. Okay, let's just let's like start with there. It was like her soul, no. but she didn't have any physical being to inhabit. And like yet she, she could she get was... put on, like, she put on this weird red, like, 
you know, loincloth thing, and then had this, like, these gold horns, and Maleficent does not wear gold. She never wore gold ever. Like, she's not a gold kind of woman. Like, except for her staff. She's just not. It made absolutely no sense whatsoever. Like, that, that version of Maleficent, honestly, like, kind of pissed me off, because I was like, that, it, that is not what she would look like. And then, yeah, Laurie Hancock is mentioning, like, the, the screaming, screeching, groaning, whatever the hell yeah. that sound was. It was just awful. Like, what we got... powerful mm, for that. That character, she is. It, it made her seem like she was a shadow of herself and she was weak. And even if Maleficent is only a soul now and she is roaming and has no body to inhabit, you know, she just randomly grabbed bones and whatever was down there to inhabit it, I still feel like she would be this big, powerful, whether it's a woman or creature or whatever. So I'm hoping that they'll do something with that. Like True Blood, I know, only has one season left. So when Kristen Bauer Van Stratton is wrapped with that, I would love for them to see, you know, Maleficent soul gets back to her original form or back to her original body and that it was just the dragon form that's been slayed and that, you know, perhaps her original form, you know, she couldn't change into it in our world, but now that they're all going back to the Enchanted Forest, they'll be able to. Because I was like, that, I mean, it was interesting in the scene, but I was just thinking the whole time, this is not what Maleficent was. She's, you know, ten times more powerful than that. Yeah, and, you know, Lori Hancock is saying in the chat, hopefully she can come back and be brought back into a body and can be a new nemesis. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. Can we maybe, like, is there some way that the Wicked Witch can get herself on down to that little chamber and, like, magic her up into a body and be like, hey, girl, let's go get coffee and, you know, blow some stuff up. And, like, yes. you know, have them just totally, you know, like, like can we <laughs> get it, that going off? Because, I, because, like, I feel like the, like the Wicked Witch of the West and Maleficent would be a pretty good pair. Like, I feel like they would be really good friends. And they would really get along because they're both really rejected about, you know, the way they look. And originally, you know, Maleficent did have green skin. So, you know, they mm-hmm. can relate on that level. I'm sure they could discuss makeup and how to find the right foundation for your skin tone and all those other things. Like, I'm sure, and I mean, there's no reason why and they could And stealing Regina's clothes. Um, exactly, <laughs> and stealing totally. Regina's clothes and, you know, and, you know, and stealing Regina's evil bacon out of her house in Storybrooke. Like, I'm just, you know, I'm it's, just saying, like... That's, I mean, that's, you know, that's all that there is, I mean, really. And, you know, they could discuss, you know, powder versus liquid and all those other things, right? Like, they could talk about, you know, what's, I mean, they could talk about water and pets, like, because obviously, you know, like, Maleficent's going to need some water because, you know, her ass got caught on fire after Regina, or after Emma threw the sword mm-hmm. in her. And she turned and she it has and then, you know, and you know what else? And, and Maleficent is going to need some moisturizer after she became the dust zombie. So, you know, girl has some stuff to talk about on the makeup side of things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they take we are ridiculous. The land of makeup. I'm so ridiculous. Okay, jeez. <laughs> Maybe that's yeah. That'll be it. Oh my god! Can you imagine like the land without makeup? Like that would be like the horror movie land where like everyone looks <laughs> like a zombie. Everyone's just, just all wrinkly and. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Uh... I'm loving it. Maybe she was born with it. Maybe it's evil magic. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. Let me see here. Maybe it's evergreen. <laughs> so, <sighs> oh, my God. 
Okay, so please forgive me, everyone. I'm just <laughs> okay. So it's so I'm just funny because there's actually a trailer on TV right now for the new Melissa movie. Like I'm looking at it without sound. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god. Oh my god. Okay. Perfect. So the, <laughs> so the thing that I love about this episode so much too is that it brings it right back full circle to the pilot. Because it's, you know, it's charming at the end. He's going to go wake up Snow White, which is exactly how the show started. So I love how it brings mm-hmm. the season kind of full circle that way. Um, I mean, I just think that that's a really great touch. Um, and then so, right, then after that, after we see Charming awaken Snow White, and he goes and asks her to marry him and all those other things, so we see the scene where Emma's in the elevator shaft after she's got the egg, and it stops because Rumple stops it. And she throws in the egg, and then she climbs up, and she has to rescue Regina. And Regina's like, why did you give him that? Like, you know, you can't trust him. Why would you give him that? Well, mm. because she doesn't have, like, you know, all of the years of history knowing who Rumpelstiltskin really is. Like, she only knows he's Mr. Gold, and he's kind of a jerk, but she doesn't know how twisted and evil he really is. Like, right. and even now, even, even in season three, I don't think Emma really comprehends exactly how evil Rumpel is or the things that he's done. Like, I don't think she gets it. Like, because she, she doesn't, I don't know if she actually read Henry's book or not, but I don't think she really gets the breadth and the scope of how evil those two people actually are. So um, that's what I kind of, you know, kind of thought about that. But then, of course, before they can go get gold, they get the call from the hospital. And yeah. they have to go rushing off to get to Henry. And there's that great moment where, you know, Dr. Whale and um, Mother Superior come out of the room and she's like, you know, Mother Superior says, I'm sorry, you're too late. And the and then at that point, that's when you know Emma walks in the room and and Regina hangs out outside, and Regina's looking at Henry and Emma's looking at Henry, just laying there looking so small and weak, blue. And tragic and and blue and gone. And the look on Regina's face was one thing, you know, kind of through the window. But then when they show that look on it, that close up of Emma right before it fades to black and she, and it's kind of, you know, you can hear her breathing, you know, kind of a lot more. It's so tragic. And I remember when I was watching the show live that my heart had fallen so hard at that point that I was like, oh, no. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, I know that they're not really going to kill Henry, but the fact that this is happening right now, this is devastating. This is so sad. Like, oh, my God. Yeah, and that cello music. Uh I was just Killer. about to say, Mark Mark Isham's score in this episode in particular is amazing, and it's one of and I honestly do like it's kind of disappointing to me that the Once Upon a Time season one soundtrack is incomplete. It only has tracks up to a certain episode. It does not have mm-hmm. the music from the final episodes on it because I want this music. This is this right. more than anything else. I want I want the music from A Land Without Magic because it's just beautiful. The cello music playing when she's looking at Henry and everyone thinks he's dead, is that's one scene. But then right after that is the, like the last segment of the show before it went to commercial. And I remember like this, like this last segment of the show is probably one of the best I'd ever seen. Like I remember like overall, in my opinion, this episode of Once Upon a Time is one of the best finales or possibly ser- you know, episodes of any television series ever, because it's just, you know, it, it, granted, it doesn't necessarily make sense if you're not following the story, you're not a regular viewer of the show, but if you are in the show and you understand what's going on, this episode 
is one of the best hours of television I've ever sat there and watched because I felt like I was watching a movie that just didn't stop. It had me from the very beginning and did not let go of me even after it was over because I was, we didn't get resolution to that situation until broken a few months later. So we had all summer to sit there and say, oh, my God, what's going to happen? And um, so anyways, before I get into that, though, I want to make sure that we, that we get to the rest of this. So the segment comes in, and it starts with Rumple in his pawn shop, and he's getting out the potion because he's finally got it back in the egg. And the bell rings. Mm. And isn't that such a great touch that there's a bell on his door to the pawn shop? There's a bell every time you open it. Like, I love it because the bell rings, and for whom the bell tolls, well, it's bell. It's bell. <laughs> I <laughs> it's love bell, this alive scene. and well. Yeah. It's amazing because I love Robert, this Robert scene. Carlyle's it was reaction so is just amazing. Mm, no doubt. Yeah, because he's. I mean, he's obviously preoccupied, and he hasn't even turned around to look yet, and he's thinking, whoever you are, go away, we're closed, and he turns around, because at this point, he still thinks that she's been dead all this time. He still thinks she's yeah. thrown herself off the tower, and he like he's obviously just struck when he turns around, and as he walks up to her, he even, like, touches her shoulder to make sure he, that she's real. And she tells him what Jefferson said, you know, that I'm supposed to tell you that Regina locked me up and that you'll keep me safe. And it's like he he almost doesn't have words at first, and he hugs her, and she says, asks him if she knows him, and he's all teary-eyed, and he shakes his head and says no, but that you will, and he, you know, he's just, like, in this moment, he totally forgot everything else, and this person that he's been pining for, you know, he thought this was his one chance for love, and that she'd been gone and dead forever, and here she was, right here in front of him again. So he played that scene so good. Such a great Robert Carlyle scene. Yeah, his reaction is great. Um, because it's palpable, like, he's almost like, because then when he touches her and he says, you're real, like, mm-hmm. you're not a dream, like, you're real. That totally plays into Neverland when Belle, like, is Belle real or is she fake? Is she a vision or is she right. Like, that play, you know what I mean? It comes up again. So mm-hmm. I just think that that's, that's fantastic. And then right after that is when, you know, okay, oh, my God, this scene. It's when Reno Regina is standing through. She's like, no, and she you know, puts her, she buries her face in Whale's chest. And Emma mm-hmm. is walking up to Henry. And the music, I mean, the cello music is that sad, depressing theme from the previous clip, the last time we wrote the scene. But then there's also this faint, like, like, glimmer of hope in the music, and you can hear it. Like, it's like mm-hmm. this, like, it's almost like it's waiting, like, it's waiting for it to happen. And so then Emma right. walks over, and I just have to say that if you feel nothing when you watch Jennifer Morrison crying like that as she's standing over Henry's body, then you are a Cylon and clearly have no emotion. That's all <laughs> there is to say. Because that scene, that is, and really when I was rewatching it, Jennifer Morrison has done some really good work on this show. But that, by far, I, I still think, no matter what, anything else, that is probably her best scene that she ever did on the show. It's amazing. Yes. It's so powerful. It's just amazing. And everyone knows I'm a huge swan, you know, I'm, you know, I'm 
uh, Ugly Duckling and everything else. But, I mean, nobody nobody can deny that that scene and that her performance in that scene is not one of the most powerful scenes ever. Ever. It's one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. Right. I agree. I think it probably was her best scene so far. I think between that and the scene in Lost Girl, I think those two really, really showcased how great she was. But I feel like in this moment in Land Without Magic, when you can really see that she feels like she let her son down, like she should have believed him and he tried to tell her and things could have been different and, you know, all this is sitting in her head and she says, has this huge weight of guilt and loss and, you know, regret and you can see it in her face, in her body language, the way her voice trembles and the way she tears up as she's, you know, she leans over and says she loves him before she kisses him. It's just really, really a great moment for Jennifer Morrison. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just, uh, it gets me every time. Like, because mm. when she, like, you can see, like, in her, like, especially, like, kind of in her neck area, like, when she's, like, breathing in, she's, like, hyperventilating. She's so mm-hmm. upset. And then when she leans down and she kisses him and the tear actually falls from her face, and she kisses him, and the rainbow explosion happens, and she breaks the curse, and it goes flying out through everything, and Henry wakes up, and she's thrilled. I mean, just, oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's just amazing. Yeah. I'm actually, it's, okay. playing, it's playing on my laptop right now. Um, <laughs> so, and then when she says, you know, when he says, because she says, I love you, Henry, and she kisses him, and he wakes up and he says, I love you, too. You saved me. Mm. Oh, my God. That is just such an amazing scene. And then Regina says, you did it, and she's all happy. And then you see the curse sweeping through town and hitting all the characters. It hits Snow, it hits Archie, Granny, and, you know, it hits everybody. And it hits, you know, David right before he's about to leave Storybrooke. And, and you know, the music yeah, kicks on. And every, and, you know, for him. <laughs> just in the, yeah, for him. And then, you know, everyone's walking into the room, and Emma's like, you know, Henry, what's going on? And... Um, and one thing I want to point out, too, about this, because it's actually playing on my laptop right now, and it's something that I've noticed before. Regina is, like, holding her stomach in that, in that moment. Like, after the curse breaks, if you look, every time it shows a shot of Regina, she's got her hand on her stomach. And if you mm-hmm. look back to, like, to um, the thing you love most, when she casts the curse the first time using the horse's heart and it doesn't work, when it stops working, she does the same thing. She, like, grabs her stomach almost like, you know, something happened. And I remember thinking to myself for a long time, like, like maybe, like, Regina's price, as far as, you know, sacrificing the thing you love whatever, like, maybe Regina is, like, sterile now and can't have kids. And I had always thought that to be the case whenever I saw her do that movement, until I realized that Regina probably adopted Henry because since time never moves there, she could never get pregnant. Or if, right. she, if she ever, like, you know, had, if she ever, you know, found a man or whatever, which she wouldn't have because she was stuck in her own misery of, you know, because she did it out of love for Daniel, so she was never going to find somebody else. So then, you know, there's well, that whole thing. she had Graham to play with for a while. Well, she did have Graham to play with, yeah, but it was, you know, I don't want to get into I, I remember all the controversy over that whole relationship, and I don't want to get into it. Because, oh yeah. yeah, just people are crazy, but... And then, but when Emma breaks the curse, and the music, my God, the music, it's just, it's all amazing. And then, you know, Regina comes over, and she tells Henry that no matter what he thinks or no matter what anyone else tells him, she really does love him. 
And then she goes running out of the room and, you know, and, and then it's right after that, it's when Charming finds Snow and he's walking right. across the street, across the street and he's, you know, he sees her walking and he's like, Snow. And she looks at him and she's just like, Charming. And then they run to each other in the street and I'm watching it right now. <laughs> and yeah. it's so You're like, like yeah. I remember it's like, it's they that moment. It's that Yes, like they finally found each other. Like, oh my god, it's just, it's just so good. Like, and she says, you know, you found me. He's like, did you have any doubt I would? And then, you know, they kiss, and it's all romantic, and just, oh my gosh, and it's just so fantastic. Like, it's, it really is such a huge emotional payoff because I remember thinking the whole season, can we just get these two people together already? Like, through the whole drama with not only Catherine being alive, but then Catherine being dead, and then afterwards, and the whole betrayal of trust and all those other things, like can we please just get them together? Like, I want my family together. And then they're together, and it's perfect. And then we see Regina, you know, she's crying in Henry's room, and she's all sad. And then it goes to Rumpel and Belle at the well, and she remembers his name. And, you know, she kisses it, you know, they hug, and, you know, right? They hug and stuff. And, the you know, like, like, no, well, that actually doesn't have to have broken. Like, they actually don't kiss in that episode. So, yeah. like, they hug and stuff, and then they go to the well, and he's bringing magic, and she says, but, you know, magic is coming. And she's like, why? Because magic is power. And, of course, like, I remember thinking to myself, like, when he dropped the bottle in the well and then the smoke started coming out, I was like, oh, crap. Like, of course, that's not really I remember what I wondering it. what that meant for all of them because I was wondering, okay, does this mean smoke envelops the town and they all go back home or, you know, because we really didn't know that was the end of that season. So I was wondering, you know, what happens now? Magic is coming. Does that mean everybody gets their magic back, but they're still in Storybrooke? Does it mean that they go back to St. Chance Forest? You know, I had no idea exactly what was going to come from that. But you could see that Regina, she's, like, devastated in Henry's room, and that's one of the saddest moments because, once again, she's totally alone. Everybody hates her, and she's crying into the pillow, but then she sees this purple smoke coming, she knows exactly what it is and she starts to smile because maybe she's going to have another chance when she sees it coming. Yeah, and um, I just want to say too, like, what I originally thought when that smoke was coming and that he's, you know, because first, you know, like the, the smoke is coming and then, you know, like, it goes back to Emma and Henry in the forest, and she asks him why they didn't go home. And he says that he doesn't know. And I remember thinking that to myself, too, at the time. Like, why didn't they go home? The curse was broken. And then, right. you know, the nurse freaks out because she sees the cloud coming, and then, you know, Emma and Henry are looking out the window, and they see whatever they're seeing. And she's like, what is that? And then Henry says, something bad. Remember that, because it's going to come up in next week's podcast when we watch Broken. So, because I'm going to make a point about this later on. So... Um, so he sees that, and then, you know, Regina is looking out the window, and she sees the smoke coming, and then it goes back to Rumpel and Belle at the well, and he says, which, of course, created the season two tagline, magic is coming. He says, magic is coming. And she's like, why? And because magic is power. And then, you know, right after that, you know, it shows, like, Regina out looking out the window, and you can see the smoke coming in the reflection, and she goes from having this, like, kind of like what's going on look on her face to this like evil like I am about to win anyway like it doesn't matter what's been done I'm going to win 
do you remember, you have the same Snow White lithograph that I have, and I have this music box, too. And that scene and image of Regina reminded me so much of the lithograph from the original Snow White movie that I have. It's the yep. evil queen standing, looking out of this window that has, like, these white, you know, uh, bars or crossing. They're not bars, but you know what I mean, like white uh, things on the You know what? That, you know what? Now that you mentioned that, yeah, exactly she looks out the window like of. that a lot. Oh my god, I never even thought about that. That's another one. She looks out the window in a lot of episodes. Like she even does it in the thing you love most when she looks out the window and sees Emma cutting down the tree. Mhm. Like it's yeah, not, so oh, I, Amy, I, I love that. Oh my god, I love you. <laughs> and I, I love it. I love it. Half time, I was like, ooh, that looks just like my lithograph. Yeah, that's totally awesome. Oh, my God, I'm so glad that you mentioned that. And then right after that, of course, we snow and charming in the street, and they're standing there, and they see that the smoke is coming. And, and I love that because it's like they like the last time, because like, I'm thinking about things from Snow White's point of view, right? The last time she remembered who she was, she was being enveloped by a curse. And then she gets five minutes to spend with her husband, and then she gets enveloped by some more smoke, and she's like, oh, my God, another curse probably. Like, <laughs> Here we go again. And then, and then, and then later on <laughs> – she has to deal with going home. She has to deal with the curse reversing, and it all comes back again. Like, it's just insane. And I remember thinking about said too, as the smoke sweeps through town, and you know, Snow and Charming hug each other, and then you know, the the, the cloud hits them, and then it shows the clock tower, and it switches to you know, the the smoke is like overtaking it there too, and then it goes to the close up on the tower, and it goes to eight fifteen, and dip to black. Mm. Do you remember? I, the, I so in the, love the, with eight fifteen. I want to get now. I like. I seriously want to get a little clock tattooed somewhere with purple smoke around it, and just have it set on eight fifteen with nothing else on it. Yeah. I know that's like a totally yeah. weird tattoo, but I would know exactly what it would mean. You know. No, it's not. Now that you just mentioned that, I'll probably add it to the one on my arm because that's so, that's a great thing to have. <laughs> I'll just. I mean, I'll just. I'll just. I'll just be have like the little storybook clock on there because for anybody who's listening to the podcast and doesn't know because you didn't see the picture, I have a once upon a time tattoo on my arm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's on my right forearm. I have um, charming sword going into an apple that has a bite taken out of it, and then right underneath that is a swan which is wearing Emma's two necklaces, and then right mm-hmm. underneath that, kind of right on my wrist, I have the once upon a time book itself, and then there's some little um, like purple kind of smoke coming around it. It's not done yet, but, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's, it's, it's all around there. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I was thinking I was probably going to add things like I want to add Rumpel's um, dagger crossing with hooks hook because of their whole mm-hmm. thing. And, you know, um, you know, like get chip and other things like that. So, you know, including things like now the clock tower, which is totally perfect. And I just remember, again, we only have about two minutes left of the show, so we've got to wrap this up pretty quick. But I just remember that after this season, that after this season ended, that whole summer, do you remember what it was like that first summer after season one when we were waiting for the show to come back? It was like agony. Yes, I just remember like being in total... <laughs> it is like this hiatus. Yeah, but it was so much worse because I was like, what's going to happen? Like, because I had originally thought that they were all going to stay in Storybrooke, but that they were mm-hmm. all going to revert to their magical selves. So I had assumed mm-hmm. that, like, when they came back, like, because if you think about it, right, Blue and uh, Dr. Whale are still in the room with Emma and Henry after the curse, like, after the cloud goes through. So I was right. thinking to myself that Emma and Henry were going to be standing there 
in the hospital looking out the window at Storybrooke, watching it change, and then the blue fairy was going to, like, drop down in front of Emma's face and be like, hello, Emma, and, like, start talking to her. <laughs> flutter, flutter. And then when she yeah. would go out, like, like, yeah, and then, like, all of the dwarves would look like themselves again. You know what I mean? That's not what ended up yeah. happening, but that's what I thought was going to happen. So, yeah. Um, so next, next week, everybody, I want to make sure we let everyone know we're going to be watching Broken. Um, I hope yes. you enjoyed this week's podcast. Um, and, yeah, we're watching Broken next week because we, you know, it picks up directly where this leads off. So, yeah, pretty excited about that. We have 10 seconds left, so we will see you next week, everybody. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Good night.